welcome to So You Couldn't Be a Pop Star, the show where we talk to people who might not be pop stars but are obsessed with their careers and find out what it takes to get there. We're your hosts, Mandy and Sarah with ButWhatIsNext.com. <laughs> another day, another episode. <laughs> another random session of chatting because why not? Yeah, and yeah. I think we're uh, getting pretty good at this, you know? Are we? I don't know. But <laughs> before we started recording, I was talking about my new glasses. Yeah. That's <laughs> really that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. So I got my LASIK like a while ago, like months ago. Basically, a, <laughs> what is it, 2015, 15, 20, I can't remember which, the direction. You know, it's like 2020. Are we talking about the year? Are we talking about no. eyesight measurements? <laughs> what numbers about- are you... <laughs> It's very confusing. This is not a COVID conversation. We're not reliving 2020 <laughs> What's over <happening>? here. <laughs> okay, so vision. 2020 is like perfect vision, right? Yeah, but isn't I have like like 2015. Or so is it you 15, went and 20? got LASIK to not have perfect vision? Oh, no, no. Hang on. Let me back up. I <laughs> had horrible vision and I wore contacts. And then I got the okay. LASIK and now it's better than perfect. Oh, so you're telling me 2015 is better than 2020? I guess, but I can't remember if it's 1520 or 2015. I feel like we need to have uh, an optometrist on. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. Or, you know what? You know what we could do, which we haven't done since our first episode? Hmm. Real quick Google. Oh, I love it. Yeah, Google it. (laughs) See what it is. Because while you're Googling that, I'm getting older. And I was finding that when I was holding things close up to my face. <laughs> it sounded like you said, while you're Googling that, I'm getting older. Like, well, that hurry too. up. <laughs> that, it's both, all right? So pick it up. And also, <laughs> oh, I am aging. I have an answer. I have oh, an answer great. before okay. you go down the aging road. Okay. 2020 is not the best eyesight possible. For example... 2015 vision is better than 2020. A person with 2015 vision can see objects at 20 feet that a person with 2020 vision can only see at 15 feet. Okay. So, so I those numbers make no sense to me, but there you have it. No, it makes perfect. What? You just read it. It makes perfect sense. But it says, it, it says a person with 2015 vision can see objects at 20 feet. That a person with 2020 vision can only see at 15 feet. Yeah, so I can see things better further away. I can see on that, five feet back from you. That makes sense. But like why they're 2015 <laughs> means you can see at 20 feet, but 2020 means you can see at 15 feet. Do you no, see the problem? You, no, you have it backwards. 2020, you can see it at 20 feet. 2015 means no. that I can see it at 15 feet. No, now feet. you have it backwards. Ay, no. Geez. No, because 15 feet is closer. If you need it at 15 feet, you cannot see as well as if you can see it at oh. 20 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm tracking so now. So do you see now why I'm like those feel reversed? You know, funny that you should ask because now with my new glasses, I can see it now. <laughs> so <laughs> so tell me, tell me who we're meeting with today. So today we're going to talk to my friend Gloria. And I'm really excited because it's like a weird full circle, but not, it is, I don't know. It's all the things coming together. I met Gloria in my first job when I got tossed into creating a program to help people find jobs and like find their way when I still had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And she went through that program and she was just kind of a rock star, not kind of, she was a rock star from the start. And it was really clear to me she was one of those people that like was just going to find and take advantage of any resource that was available to her. And she really didn't, she didn't need us. She was going to make yeah. a killer career no matter what for herself. And we've stayed connected through social media and LinkedIn. It's so like I've seen kind of her job updates and changes through the years, but we haven't really had a chance to connect face to face and like hear where the path has taken her. And from social media, I see some really other exciting things she's doing. So I'm very excited to have her tell us about what she's doing, how she got there. And, and all of the good stuff in between. Um, she's she's a ton of fun. She's just a ball of energy and like really positive, fun energy. And I like I said, I haven't spoken to her in a while other than quick like Instagram message exchanges. So I'm looking forward to her sharing her story with us and, and kind of giving us some 
some wisdom because I think she has really carved a path for herself and worked really hard to get where she is. And so I, I can't wait to hear what she has to share about how she made that happen. This is exciting. And as someone who stalked her Instagram profile before as this call. Does. It's called research. Yeah. And she has the cutest corgi and i have been dying for a corgi and rob keeps saying no because we already have two dogs <laughs> and bunnies. and two and two bunnies <laughs> <laughs> there are but plenty I'm of like, pets but i just i have so much love to give you know what i mean <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> i just feel like a puppy would really round out the roost i have so much love to give don't <laughs> don't shut down my animal love i can love them all okay we are back with another episode of So You Couldn't Be a Popstar. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mandy, um, who's currently not on the road producing, which is For great. one week. It is the one week in September. I am not on set. Ah, we're so proud of her. Atta girl. <laughs> um, we are also joined by the amazing Gloria White. Gloria, welcome Hi. to the show. We're so excited to have you. Oh my God, are you kidding? Can I just give shout outs as I'm coughing in my microphone? Great way to start. (laughs) Those aren't the kind of shout outs we want. No. No. I've been trying to avoid those shout outs for two years. Right? Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I should have masked up before this call. I'm sorry. Um, But, uh, oh God, now I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. We are off to a good start. Gloria, I'm have buckle to cut, up. Probably have to cut a lot of this. But uh, <laughs> Gloria, where are you based out of? You're here in Atlanta? Yes, based out of Atlanta. I love it. Okay. So Gloria, I know we I emailed you about this, but we haven't chatted about it. We're just now chatting. But mm-hmm. um, like we like I said, the first question that we always ask people when they join the podcast is just one. And so I want you to think back to when you were nine. And I always use nine because Mandy and I both have nine-year-olds. And so it's like we're watching their little Are brain. we going to start saying 10 when they turn 10 next year? Probably. Yeah. This is <laughs> how it's going to have to go. Okay. So I want you to think back, though, to when you were a kid. And we all had dreams about what we wanted to be. And this is why we named the podcast So You Couldn't Be a Pop Star. Because Mandy and I both wanted to be <laughs> in the limelight. So <laughs> I'm curious. When you were a kid... What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I my answer feels weird, but um, I always wanted to be a nine one one operator. Oh my oh. god! I thought you were going to say none, and I was like, <laughs> okay, do tell. I feel the same about this though. Nine one one operator or none? Not answers we've heard, and I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Go go forth with that explanation, please. I mean, I I. I have listened to a couple of podcasts. Are, is it okay to, like, curse or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Please, please yeah, do. Are you kidding? No filtering um, required yeah. here. Okay. Um, but um, it, it probably explains why I feel like Captain Save-A-Ho now. Like, um, <laughs> I, I always want to help. And, you know, I think, I think mine stems from, like, watching, like, rescue 911 a lot with my mom and my grandma and like being like I want to help people but I don't want to go into the burning building so (laughs) oh my god can I just before we go into the next part of my question is do you remember growing up how Unsolved Mysteries was on after rescue 911 do y'all remember that (laughs) okay my parents let me watch that when I was really young and I carried a fear (laughs) I carried a fear about being abducted by aliens for years. And then because of Rescue 911, I developed a fear of getting kidnapped. So I actually had a bag packed by my bed with like a pair of shoes and a toothbrush in it in case I got kidnapped so I could at least brush my teeth and have shoes. Oh, God. (laughs) Hold on. Your your plan had nothing to do with avoiding being kidnapped or escaping once kidnapped. You simply wanted to make sure that while being held by your captors, you could brush your teeth? Absolutely. And to this day, I've never had a cavity. So tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm this just is like, news. Are, 
I imagine someone being like roped off. Sorry, it's time for me. I just had breakfast. I need to brush. Yeah. No joke here. You're like, hold on, hold on. I'll gladly get in your creepy van. Just let me grab my toothbrush. I got a go bag. Yeah, I have have a to-go bag. I'd like to bring this with me. And then my alien fear transcended into, um, I was convinced that anything that was the color green was going to attract aliens. And so I took everything green out of my room. And then my next door neighbors got like fresh sod put in. So they had really green grass. And I was like, oh my God, the aliens are going to (laughs) come. So did you freak out on St. Patrick's Day? Like, was that just like, I'm staying in the house? You know what's funny is that I never put two and two together, but I really hate that holiday. And I'm (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry I'm wearing green tonight. It's okay. It's more muted green. Aliens are not that color. That's like a sage green. Aliens Aliens are are drawn to bright green. Right. I would know. I would know. So would Gloria because she used to watch Rescue 911 and Us All Mysteries. So she gets it. I, I I do not, but I That's will go okay. with it. <laughs> Gloria, just roll with me. Come on. She's like, don't rope me into your madness. <laughs> nope. No, not at all. <laughs> I, yeah. I watched Nope. I'm not who the aliens were. Oh, was it good? I haven't <gasps> yeah. seen Nope yet, and I've wanted to see it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I Yeah, I just yeah. watched it last night, too. It's so good. I'm going to watch it this weekend. Have Mm -hmm. you been watching, like, the sky, like, very closely today? No, I haven't left my house today. I'm a recluse. (laughs) Okay. Well, I am for – I have a dog, so I have to go out, like, every other hour. But Okay. We are going to come back. We're going to have to come back to the dog because that's what I was really excited to talk to you about. I love your career path and everything that you're doing, but I'm really excited about the dog. We'll come back to the dog, though. So, Okay. Here. We heard about what you wanted to be when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be on Rescue 911, which is great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I could I could be like one of those actors who are like in the call center. I think it's that great. I would also accomplish what I wanted, I think. Oh, yeah, just do like the recreations. You yes. don't actually Ooh. even have to be there in the the emergency moment. You just act mm-hmm. it out later for the show. Yeah. That's great. That's that's oh. also good. Okay, so Gloria, tell us what you do now. Yeah, so I am currently working as an associate technical recruiter for a wonderful software company based out of Atlanta. I really love it. I'm happy to talk about it. And, you know, the world of software and SaaS and tech and um, maybe ways to get into tech, things like I'm, I'm an open book. I love it. And a little bird told me that you have another really interesting thing that you do that's not a part of your day job. Yeah, um, I I get paid for it some most days, so um, it's becoming a second career. I'm just waiting for my Netflix special, but I do stand-up comedy as well. Ugh. God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I love pairing. it. It's really fun, and... Um, it definitely breaks up the monotony that can come from the day job. Oh, my God. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So how did – I want to know how that started. I mm-hmm. mean, we'll talk about all of it, but I want to start with comedy because it's comedy, and it's cool, and it's fun, and I just think, like, the the courage to get up and do that is so impressive to me. And, like, I can put on a show for two people <laughs> that know me and are going <laughs> to laugh because they love me no matter what. And I like to think someday maybe I'd have that courage, but man, that's like a different, that's a different kind of courage and like um, self-knowing to be like, I'm going to get up there and put myself out there because I want to do this and the outcome, who knows? So I'm just, I want to hear more. Like, how did, how did you start? When did that start? Tell us. Yeah. Um, So it's, it started because I didn't want to pay for therapy. (laughs) and stand-up is free therapy um you will quickly learn um if you meet more stand-up comics that it's certainly free free therapy we are broken broken people um and um it's it's just a really great way to like put the way that you see the world out there um and you kind of throw things at the wall to see if it sticks. Um, I started um, a little bit before the pandemic. Of course, the pandemic happened. And I was like, 
I need to do this, but no one's doing shows anymore. And stand up over Zoom sucks. So <laughs> um wasn't wasn't interested in that. So um in um when did I get you? Uh my dog. Uh, I got um, She turns and speaks to the person in the yes. corner. When um, did I get you? When did I get you? That's my boyfriend. Um no. Um so um I think I started in March of 2021 um, and went out and took a class that's local to Atlanta. It's actually a stand-up class for women, which is amazing. It's taught by Lace Larrabee. Um, She's amazing. She's a phenom of a comic. She hosts a podcast called Cheaties, which I've also done. um, So definitely check that out. But um, she does an all women stand up class and you take her class and you figure out how to get five minutes of, of time um, and just a solid routine built up of five minutes. And then she has like different levels. So you could take a screenwriting class, which I took that too. Um, and then her level two class is 10 minutes of comedy. So just from that, I probably have, you know, almost 20 minutes of material that I can like spit out and be fine with. Um, but I've been at it for over a year, um, all over the Southeast. Um, now, um, hopefully after, um, the new COVID booster comes out, I'll, um, do some more traveling, but I love it. I perform a couple times a week. Like I said earlier, I get paid sometimes, which is wonderful. Yeah, especially it feels like after only a year in that world, which feels pretty competitive, like to be getting mm -hmm. paid seems like quite an accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Especially Atlanta is a very competitive scene and um, it can be very tough, especially for women and especially women of color um, to get in with the right crowd. So I've been very fortunate um, to have all of the opportunities that I've been able to. Oh my gosh, I would like so cool. to say fortunate, I'm sure, but also in all of the time I've known you, I'm not sure there's anyone that's more resourceful or tenacious when they like want something. So I'm sure there was also a lot of work and persistence put into getting where you were. I don't think it's just fortune. That would be my guess. Thank you. I mean, I bust my butt. But, um, yeah, that, yeah, that seems right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm inspired by so much in the world, and like, I'll I'll put this as an example. I um, I recently lost my mom, and Aww. she passed in May of uh, this year, so three months ago. Literally the day she died, I was writing jokes and I'm like, this Aww. is, this is probably what I meant about free therapy. <laughs> yeah. But, right? <laughs> yes. But, um, and I, um, recently had an interaction with Steve Harvey and he said that the like true test of a comedian is you can see humor in everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you have to kind of figure out how to harness that so that, you're not just drowning out the sadness and like things that you're dealing with in your real life. Like you have to figure it out in a healthy way to sustain mm-hmm. yourself. So it's definitely that healthy balance that I'm working towards. Yeah. I think it sounds like less like a bunch of broken people and more like a bunch of deeply feeling people finding really creative ways to channel it. And I think yeah. Sure, there's the opportunity that you're you're bypassing it by using humor, but it also, you know, I remember seeing seeing your posts when your mom passed away and seeing you talk about channeling the humor and and at least from an outsider perspective, it seemed like such a healthy way for you to step into your grief and to own it and to be there and to make it make you feel more like yourself. Like by leaning into the humor you got to do a thing you love to do. You got to take this painful experience and make it something that also felt very close to you and probably made you feel like mom was close. So I just, oh, it's, it, I loved when I saw those posts from you because it just, I don't, I don't know what's harder than losing a parent. I know how close you were with your mom and what she meant to you and, and to see how you kind of took that and ran with it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, it's definitely been a hard journey, even though I have been her caregiver forever and like prepared as much as I could for it. It's something you never can truly prepare mm-hmm. for. Um, but the joke is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going over really well. Like, um, it's it's very good. So I love that joke. So, <laughs> so I want to go backwards a little bit because I feel like I have like insider information here because I've known you for a while. And so in the journey that got you to where you are today, I want to go back to where I kind of where I met you and where you were at in life and just talk a little bit about, you know, this this podcast community, the audience is is for a lot of people that find themselves in some place in life where they're like, what now? Life didn't go the way planned. Something happened out of their control and now they have to figure out what to do. And so I know you had your own experience of, of life throwing things at you and having to kind of pivot and, and knowing where you've gotten since then. So I'd love if we could go back and just tell us a little bit about as you were trying to find your footing with career what that looked like, what happened, and then, you know, what what steps you took to start figuring out what the next move was for you. Yeah, um, so that's actually a really good transition from talking to mom to mm-hmm. how I got into my career, because I um, had did my undergrad degree in, like, it took seven years to finish my degree, um, because I was a caregiver, but I also needed to support my family so I was working um and then going to school doing some caregiving in between um so it took a really long time for me to finish but I did and um so I was kind of like I had a wonderful um career opportunity that I needed that worked during that time I worked as a nanny I'm for a lovely family. I literally just left their house today. (laughs) Um, um, Like we have, you know, dinner and stuff regularly and we're very close. Um, And so um, I was, I didn't want to be a nanny forever. Um, I, I knew I wanted something more, but how do you go into that? I feel like I was dramatically older than a lot of like, college grads and um I knew that I wanted to do something that was fun and engaging but also um you know just something where I could create my own kind of path and be um supportive of people and really change things um so around 2013 and this is before I graduated um, I had an opportunity to, I guess, um, help lift the ride sharing company, get their foot off the ground here in Atlanta. Um, so I become, I became, uh, their driver events coordinator. And so basically they would send me money to hold events for drivers and get them to bond and kind of be a community, um, And so I really enjoyed that, um, but I was also still in school, and they were kind of working on having more of a presence in Atlanta. So I'd say I did that for about a year, and then they kind of phased that out. Um, But as I was finishing school, I, um, you know, I knew my impending graduation was happening, and I was like, what do I do? And so I came across um, a, a... service provider, um, the JFNCS, um, based out of Atlanta. Um, I, I don't know if it's like, is it okay to name names and like, yeah, go for it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Just cut out whatever (laughs) doesn't work. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so it came across this organization and, um, they supported me in a lot of ways because they had a caregiver support group. And because I was in my 20s and one of the only caregivers that I knew, um, which I'm I'm still working on, like, um, support for young caregivers and, like, all of this craziness. I'm like, I thought I would be done, but I'm not. <laughs> like, I thought when she was gone, I'd be done, but I'm not. I keep getting pulled in. Um, <laughs> but um, came to the JFNCS for um, 
uh, you know, caregiver support and they had a career services center. Um, and that's where I went, met Mandy. Um, and her and Bonnie just like poured into me and like really helped me and like reviewed resumes and like gave me career advice and just all of the things that I needed at that time. So forever thankful for Mandy. Um, Bonnie. Oh, Mandy. Shout out to Bonnie because she, I mean, <laughs> Bonnie taught me everything I knew and I took like her knowledge and helped shape it into a thing that could help other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, it's so, that was a wild ride for me too, but it's so neat to be able to reconnect with people now um, and, and see like where they've gone and see that that actually had impact because it's really easy to look back and be like, serious imposter syndrome what was I doing like how could I have helped anybody I didn't know what I wanted how was I helping people so it's fun to get to hear that and know that like there was there was some impact there um and I wasn't just flailing around (laughs) making things up like we really we helped people but I mean Bonnie was incredible and like I said she taught me everything I knew and I know she worked really closely with Gloria also because as I've mentioned, there's a thing. Once you meet Gloria, you're like, that's that's a person I want to be in community with. Like that's a person I want to support because you just have this this energy that like you clearly have had things thrown at you that don't make it easy. And you just kind of find a way to like be shiny and smile through it and find positive. And like you said, even now with your mom gone, you're still like, how can I support other people that were in this position I was in? And there's just not, there's not a ton of Gloria's in the world. So it's pretty easy to meet Gloria and be like, what, what can I do? Say the word, whatever I can do. Like, you know, and, and I don't think you needed all that much help because you were willing to work so hard. So it's 0% surprising to me that you are where you are now. So tell us, you got, you got the degree, took longer than you thought. You powered through. You reached out and got help. That's I love that because I also think it's um, it's hard to ask for help, and we keep mm-hmm. hearing that really consistently from from everyone. Is like I hit this point, nut. I don't know. I knew I needed support, so I brought that in. Um, and then and then your career kind of feels like it was an upward trajectory of like climbing the ranks and seeing what you liked and didn't maybe and taking the next thing. So, what yep. was um, what was the first job after the lift job after the JFNCS program? What was the what was the first job where you felt like you were on that path of what's next? Maybe it wasn't exactly it, but like you mm-hmm. felt like you had traction and were moving towards something. So I'll talk about because my time at Lyft wasn't over. After I connected with the JFNCS, I ended up. Um, Lyft wanted to establish an Atlanta office and um, they were hiring for a team on the ground and I applied and got that job with a lot of help from you and Bonnie, um, you know, and tailoring my resume. So that was my dipping my toe in tech. And um, I, I loved the energy. I loved the possibility um, in that it was actually like, providing a service like I saw the impact of Lyft whether it was from a driver's perspective of hey this is empowering me to work my own hours and you know I'm also feeding this into my small business and you know I can spend time with my kids still make money and you know do things my own way so just seeing that but also seeing the way that it shaped passengers in the community I really love that so that was definitely um, one of the things that I loved about Lyft. And I knew um, from what I was seeing from other people I was connecting with that that happened a lot in tech. So I knew that I wanted to stay in a tech space ultimately. Um, and my time at Lyft um, was, I think I was there for um, almost two years. Um, and then moved into another software company called CallRail. Um, it's an Atlanta-based uh, software company um, and really loved it. Um, it was great. I 
stating the customer support realm uh, there initially. And then, um, so I did that for um, two years. And then my last couple of months at CallRail, I moved into a role that uh, was a knowledge base manager, um, which was pretty cool. I had um, kind of influence over all of the trainings and tutorials for internal and external teams, as well as creating content for the internal knowledge base. Um, so that was really great, and it kind of shaped a lot of where I am today. Um, Call Rail ended because of COVID layoffs. Mm. Um, and so you don't need to train new hires if there aren't any. Oh, so. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I um, was at Call Rail for a little over two years, and then um, COVID layoffs were interesting because you had severance package, you had um, like unemployment, you had. I was like, I'm probably never gonna work again guys um but um but uh, but i i ended up getting a job and i thought this was my dream job working at twitter and it's funny like i hated it hated it (gasps) really hated it say more awful yeah without getting yourself in trouble and company but what what did you hate the job itself the culture like what didn't work so I I worked in um, support, um, and you just see a version of humanity that just mm. it, like you you said I'm a very positive, happy person. It just wasn't good for my mental health at mm. all. Um, you see an unfiltered view of the world, and mm. that can be anywhere from like a dead child to <sighs> like you know just like you know, horrible things about political figures and like celebrities and just like, like, but that's, that's Twitter. It's like, the rule is we are not filtering anything and we'll just slap a not safe for work sticker over it. And, you know, they can consume it if they choose to. You know what? I love that you shared this part with us because I've often wondered that like, Social media <laughs> kind of frightens me. <laughs> that and aliens, okay. But <laughs> basically but the same for all we know. Basically the same. Yeah, but like social media, like someone like I don't get on Facebook ever. Mm-hmm. I have an account because I need to for work. You know what I mean? To like run our Facebook ads. But like I, I have no interest in hearing everybody's like fly by night musings. I because I, I, mm-hmm. some of the like if I were to post every weird thought that went through my head, y'all would not be on a call with me right now. Like, there are some things you should keep quiet, you know? So, and I've wondered, and actually, it's funny, I was having a conversation about this a couple of days ago, like, what it's like to be somebody that filters those conversations and Mm -hmm. says, this is okay, this is not. Yeah. Because when you report a post, like, it's it's like someone has to look at it and be like Mm -hmm. yeah that's fucked up or oh that's fine you know so yeah and at the end of the day it boils down to human judgment though right and so like if you were to look at their guidelines are there okay because i'm like i feel like if you would look at something somebody else might have a completely different opinion based on political leanings or whatever and like that's a slippery slope man yeah so you know what you were the 911 operator at Twitter. <gasps> you were. <laughs> People yeah. were like, oh no, problem. Mm-hmm. And then Gloria had to decide how to handle it. <laughs> so not only was it what you thought was your dream job because Twitter and tech, but turns yeah. out it's also what you wanted to be when you grew up in the tech world. Oh my God, you're so good. It's not. That's why I left. That is not valuable, what I wanted to do. Valuable lesson. Sometimes yes. our dreams are not what they seem. <laughs> no. That was True. a beautiful nightmare. <laughs> um, so yeah, my my time at Twitter was short-lived. I think I was there for maybe three or four months. And then I was like, I've got to get out of here. Good so, for you. Yeah. Like, way to call it and recognize that didn't feel good and, and just leap. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I feel I feel like people spend way too long at jobs because there's like this mm-hmm. fear of job hopping like I don't want to look like a job hopper and even after you had been at two different companies consecutively for like two years apiece I know that feeling as somebody who has a career right like we are we're always yeah. mindful of like oh god I gotta stick it out because then what will people think and like yeah side note to you, I man. do want to say on that like it's total bs at this point unless you're at like seven Agreed. places for two months apiece like those are things from and I would, I cannot wait to hear Gloria weigh in on this because she's yeah, a recruiter. I was like, oh, don't say that. That's bad but advice. I, <laughs> but I feel like the people that I've heard that from are people that have been places for like ever, and that's not a mm-hmm. thing anymore. And a lot of times, you don't get a, a raise by moving up in your own company that's going to be comparative to moving outside of your company. And so there is a lot more frequent movement in the job market now yeah. than there used to be. So I'm, I would love to hear also, because people looking for jobs, like as a recruiter, mm-hmm. what to you is a red flag that you would consider mm-hmm. job hopping versus what is normal movement in yeah. nowadays job market? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. I've been dealing with that a lot lately. <laughs> um, but what is considered job hopping? And I think more than anything, and I, I'll get to kind of our interview process at my company, But one of the interviews that we do is called a top grade interview. And I love this style of interview because it is a comprehensive view of your work history. And that can include school, military, anything like that. But it really goes into the motivation of why you go into a different role. And it makes job hopping look less risky because you're really diving into the why. Um, for, like, oh, I just didn't like that job. No, I had a toxic manager who made it miserable and it was time to leave. Or, you know, we knew that, you know, the end was near for this project that I was working on or, you know, whatever variable. But that's one of the reasons why I really love the company that I work for now. And um, I get to meet so many different candidates and, um I can defend candidates who might seem like job hoppers. I'm like, in the top grade interview, they answered this question. And I feel like this is like more than enough reason to take them on. Yeah. I love that you're given a whole view. You're looking at like the humanness of why do those decisions get made versus just the dates. Yep. So is there a red flag though? What, when does it become a red flag? When are you like, this is something we need to ask the questions about? Well, I think, I think anything that's like under a year too often, like Mm -hmm. if I'm seeing that a person has moved, you know, three times in four years, that might be a red flag. Um, But I think it also could be really good. Like that person's not willing to sacrifice their mental health. Um, They are, they know their worth. I think that it's really about the candidate and how they position themselves. And, you know, if, if you know your worth and you're not willing to put up with BS, like I would much prefer that over someone who was just like, Oh, Google offered me more money. Like, (laughs) you know, like, but you left your team on alert. Like, did you, did you try to get a counter offer or did you just bail? Like that is more of a red flag than someone who's like, yeah, I had a toxic environment and I got out. Yeah. Excellent point. Okay. So how did you get into recruiting? Yeah. So, um, at my current company, um, I, um, started in their customer support organization and I did that for nine months, but, um, I've always wanted to be a recruiter, like, what, since being in tech and kind of getting a glimpse of, like, what that looked like, um, I've expressed it at every company that I've worked for, even at Twitter, I expressed it, and I have had so many people tell me, oh, this, despite the fact that I refer people like an, like a madman, <laughs> like, I I know at every job I've been at, I've probably referred at least three to ten people 
consistently who've been hired and are doing really well. And some people are still there. In fact, I think, yeah, like people are still at Lyft and CallRail and like all of the places I've been up. Um, so um, not at Twitter, though, which is interesting. <laughs> but um but um I um I was like hey I would really love to just you know have an opportunity to learn more about this so I reached out to um our recruit recruiting manager our talent acquisition manager and she really like she was like yeah we're not I, I'd say the timeline for this I think I reached out to her in July and I met with her in office, um, which is funny because I can count on one hand how many times I've been in our office. <laughs> but um, I met with her and we had a great conversation. And she was just like, yeah, well, I think the end of Q3, Q4, we can, you know, have you interview. Um, but I'd really like for you to do some LinkedIn learnings to shadow people and just kind of see if it's something that you think you'd be interested in. And so I think by August, she was like, hey, we have a job. You'd be good. Let's have you interview. And so I interviewed. And by September, I had an offer. And by October, I started. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah, it went really quickly. Um, and that's one of the things I love about my current company. Shout out to Sales Loft. Um, <laughs> <gasps> You were in sales loft? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Buried the lead. Sarah's excited. No, yes. Kyle, Kyle Porter was my old manager. You know KP? I do. And do you know Nate Remus? <laughs> yeah. He is, I look back very fondly, he was one of the bosses that shaped my career. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, wow, what a small, small I didn't know you worked in sales loft now. Yeah. I'm probably going to have to cut this out because I don't want Nate's ego to get too big. <laughs> we know that can happen. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like you just took a pin to it by calling it out. So 100% I did. Game on, Revis. Game on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come oh at my gosh. us. Come on the podcast and tell us about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's funny. You should definitely it's, have them. You know, it's funny because I know a few people that work at Sales Loft, and I've got to say, everybody there is just incredible. Like, it seems like such a great group of people to be around. Yeah, it really is. And, um, I mean, we're growing, like, so quickly. By the end of the year, we should be at 1,000 employees. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Which is insane. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what KP and the crew have built is just amazing and I'm so happy to be a part of it and sales loft is really different because they really did give me an opportunity and I see that across the board now as a recruiter I get to promote internally mm. like you know I get to see people go from customer support to you know uh, software developers or, you know, um, implementation to, you know, uh, UX and design. And I am just, I'm really thankful for the opportunity because even my boss now is, is like, do you want to be in recruiting forever? Like, what do you want to do? How do we get you there? Mm. Oh, I love that. God. That's a good boss. If yeah. they're hiring, we're going to need to share some of their job posts <laughs> on our social media. So <laughs> what a yeah. great company to work if you're looking for work in Atlanta. So, okay, one of the things that you had talked about that really jumped out at me that, like, made my heart feel really full um, is when you talked about helping people kind of find their careers, and you didn't find this at Twitter, but you found this at other companies, trying to help people understand what they wanted. And I was like, oh, that's what Mandy kind of did for you is like help you figure yeah. it out. And I was like, oh, it kind of came full circle for you that, you know, Mandy, it's a whole giving forward, right? And or paying, mm -hmm. paying it forward, giving forward, paying it forward. Paying it where, forward. <laughs> where, you know, when somebody gives you a leg up and what's so funny, God, I hate talking about it, but Nate Remus did that for me. He gave me a leg up in my career. Quite honestly, he did. He, yeah. he did a lot of my formative coaching. Um, so did Kyle Porter. Like, they, you know, we were all at the same company. And, um, you know, when you get that kind of leg up from somebody, like what Mandy and Bonnie helped give to you and then you're able to give to other people, that feeling of just like, oh, my God, I'm making a difference. Like, I get why people give their time and why people give their help and assistance. And how cool that you get to do that 
for a role now. Like what a what a great full circle thing for you from your own background to what you get to do for other people now. So cool. Yeah. Um, I, I really love it. And it's really important. And I think that I, as a recruiter, get to use it to speak to when people talk about, hey, what's career progression like? I can be like, hi, and raise my <laughs> hand and be like, I'm a prime example of what it's like to put your money where your mouth is. Um, comp- like, it's so expensive to train up new employees. Like you have to do onboarding. You have to like really invest in that. So why don't you take employees that you know are already great, that already share your values, are already consistent, and ramp them up? I will never understand why companies don't invest more um, in their internal employees. Agreed. They need more people like you running them. That's true. That's why. Because there are too many people that aren't thinking that way, and they need more people like you making the decisions. That's what I think. Okay. She's like, I'll take it. I won't argue. Okay, Gloria, have you heard, since you're in recruiting, you've probably heard about this, but we've had a lot of conversations in my company lately about how career paths are no longer looking like ladders, but like lattices, right? So like instead of moving upward, you're like, you can move over here. It sounds Mm -hmm. like your current company is doing a really fantastic job of that. And when you were speaking about the, the person who was running HR, is that right? Who was like, Okay, well, let's have you do some LinkedIn learning. Let's have you shadow some people. So many companies, I think, are missing the boat on Mm -hmm. that kind of experience of, like, why don't you take a swag at it? And, you know, it's such a passionate topic for me because, again, I'm like, oh, my God, when you said sales loft, I was like, ah, geez, we know the same people. Okay, (laughs) hang on. But, you know, I had the opportunity to move over a lattice and then go up, right? Like, figure out my path and then and then look for the ladder because – but I I had to go across the lattice first. And I'm curious in technical recruiting and what you do on the HR side of things, like, it sounds like like your current company does a great job of tackling that, but I'm not sure what kind of view you have on the overall landscape and how companies are kind of doing that now, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's definitely kind of a lot of people are still doing the traditional ladders where, oh, if you start an associate level, you go to mid-level, you go to senior, and then you're just you know, senior staff for the rest of your life. And if you want to be a people manager, you'd be a people manager, but you're still in that same, like that same ladder. Um, But I think the really cool thing that sales loft does like off the bat, like we do things like tuition reimbursement. Um, We do things like project management training. So if you want that, but we really, do that good job of setting up that shadowing or, um, you know, like, and, and I'm like, I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to share it, but I'm definitely working (laughs) on like a LinkedIn learning feature on like internal movements and kind of how to help people who might just be in like, you know, early sales or something customer facing. And they're like, I don't know what to do. So we're going to take examples of people who have made the move like myself and this is what I did. This might work for you. It might not, but these are ways that you can create your own path. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. So cool. I love that. And I'm, I am a huge fan of like certifications and courses yeah. and like you don't need you don't like I don't have a degree in marketing and I work in marketing I went to fashion school for crying out loud I'm not qualified <laughs> yes. but by when you find those people who are willing to share with you like like you said like shadowing or like here's what I did and here's how I figured mm-hmm. out what I did it's such a huge thing to help somebody figure it out because we're not born knowing what we want to do. You wanted to be a 911 operator for crying out loud. You know what I mean? We don't know. We don't know. But I think something more important comes from that is that the company has to be willing and like that, you know, management has to be willing. I recently had a conversation um, with a new hiring manager that I'm working with um, who like I it was like pulling teeth trying to get them to consider an internal candidate. Wow. And so um I am 
I'm already like, hey, you know, this is similar to how I came on. Like, this person is great and has a lot of transferable skills. I think it would be important just because, not not just because it's a courtesy, but because we already know that this is already a stellar employee, that you are at least open to considering them. Yeah, absolutely. Earlier, somewhere in the what you wanted to do, you talked about wanting to be somewhere that you could make change. And I, it sounds like this is a space one, you get to do it, and two, that you're pushing for that by saying like, hey... Why wouldn't we consider this? And even when you were talking about being in the interview process and advocating for someone that might get tossed out based on the job doesn't look like there's enough history or whatever it is, it sounds like you're really investing in getting to know the candidate, seeing what's the best fit, and then advocating for change both in the process of interviewing and hiring and also just company culture. And I just I love to note those little spaces where it's like you knew, especially the intangible things. You wanted to like connect people and give people opportunity and create change and that can feel like kind of heady and far out there because there aren't tangible steps to do it and so it's very cool to hear you talk about what you're doing day to day and be like hey those are the things you said you wanted to do and you made that happen yeah so tell me if someone's thinking this sounds kind of like a cool job I want to do what Gloria does like what would you say are three qualities that Mm -hmm a good recruiter has just kind of like natural ability and things that would lend themselves well in a personality or a person to what you're doing every day. So not to toot my own horn, but I'm definitely the friend that like, if my friends can't find a guy on social media, I'm the one that they send like his, I only got first name, last name. I'm like, say no more. She's a detective. (laughs) I love it. So, like, you have to be a detective. Like, Mm. I mean, especially from a technical recruiting side, finding people who have the skill set to, you know, and not just not just the skill set, but you want people who can handle like the workload because a lot of times you'll get people who've been at like a startup or something or maybe a smaller team and they come to kind of a mid-sized company and they get overwhelmed so you definitely want to find like someone who can handle the company of our size so um but being a detective is very important because on LinkedIn I'm a detective and I am looking for any Golang engineers. So if you know any, send them my way. Um, but, um, <laughs> but also, I, you know, I recruit all over the organization. So um, I am recruiting right now, I think, for like eight or nine different jobs. Um, so you also have to be very organized and um, can multitask. So... I one day I'm primarily focused on software engineering. Another day is UX design and um, research, and another day is support IT. Um, so you have to one be knowledgeable of the roles and what they're looking for. So um, you have to put your Barbara Walters hat on and like really interview <laughs> and like get to know people and take good notes. So um, you know it's 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 very easy for people to pad their resumes and um, thankfully we do like technical interviews. So that gets like weeded out very quickly, but a lot of that can be um, tackled in a recruiter screen or just by, you know, looking over their LinkedIn carefully. Um, And then my third and final um, kind of tip is, you have to um, be able to polish diamonds in the rough. Um, Like if there's a candidate that you feel really strongly about, like whether it's a diverse candidate or, you know, maybe just a candidate who has a great personality, but you know, maybe they're a little more introverted. Um, I, I guess I would call this like, you have to be a stage manager and so you have to get them ready for the show and to be presented. I I feel like it's kind of pageantry. You know, you're you're 
you're walking your peacock out and like <laughs> it's like displaying its feathers and like it's like it's really like the Westminster kennel show or whatever that's how I would describe recruiting because you're getting your prize puppy and like you're ready to send them in front of hiring managers and it's brutal they're you know knocking points off for you know having a crooked leg and but really it's just like (laughs) they don't know how to code with the right brackets and you know like stuff like that so um if that's the takeaway from this is that recruiting is like being in the Westminster like kennel dog show coders they're just show dogs (laughs) I love it Okay, so you talked a little bit about the three qualities for a good recruiter. I have a podcast. Um, (laughs) Talk. Um, (laughs) So if you were to give one piece of advice to anyone trying to either get into tech or trying to find their path or wants to get in recruiting, what what would that look like? Um. I would definitely say use LinkedIn, like link, like if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, create one. Um, if you aren't on LinkedIn learning, get on it. Um, take the LinkedIn learning assessments, especially if you're, um, um, in engineering, like looking at what languages you're proficient at super, like it's, it's the best skills assessment. Um, also, the certifications, like you mentioned earlier, big fan of certifications. Google has some great uh, UX and product management, product design um, certifications. But also, if you are willing to get your, um, you know, feet dirty, I would, you know, I would take a customer-facing role. I think everybody in their life at one point should be customer-facing. Um, you know, if you, it really makes you appreciate, um, kind of the, the opportunities that you have in other places. And, um, especially once you're gone, like, I know that my skills in customer service made me who I am. Um, one, I'm trying to hire the best engineers so that, my support buddies don't have to deal with the fallout of bugs Um, because I know what that looks like um, when a customer is irate because their recordings are gone or, Mm. you know, their software isn't working and it's because of something on our part. Um, So I, I would really say more than anything, like don't be afraid to jump into a customer facing role take some LinkedIn learning courses, get certifications and pass those LinkedIn assessments. I love it. And you know, as somebody who was a cashier girl at McDonald's, let me tell you about customer facing roles (laughs) (laughs) and how irate people get if their order's not right. So I'm with you. I'm all about like, you need to be public facing for a little while and understand what that side of the road is like because Everybody wants to, you know, think that their job is the most important, but your salespeople are bringing in the bucks that pay for your job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, important. gap years should not be spent in Europe. They should be spent at McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Quote of the episode. A... Yeah. Gap years should that? be spent at McDonald's, not Europe. <laughs> yes. I want to put that on a T-shirt. Yes. Game Let's on. Let's do it. We can oh, make T-shirts. Game on. <laughs> You have my permission. Take it. Oh my god. <laughs> That's okay. Great. I know we are we are so coming up on time, but I have okay. one more really important thing that I want to talk about. Me too. Okay. We each your, have one. Your Cyrus. dog. I want to, <laughs> I want to talk about your dog. Yeah. Okay. Well, Cyrus, I'm like he's not he's in another room, but he's very cute. I love him. Okay. I I'm going to need you to write like a reference letter for my husband to advocate for getting a corgi in our already very full animal household. I just think they're so cute. And when I was looking at your Instagram, I was like, oh my God, she has the cutest dog in the world. <laughs> Hi. Hi. He won't let me pick him up. That's okay. He... You know what? Oh, Look wait. at the little guy. He's so All cute. Right. Say hello. Yeah. I want one. So. You should get one. <laughs> I know. But so we were talking before you got on that I already have two other dogs. 
<laughs> and two bunnies. Like, we've got a pretty full house, and I have a child. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. He, I have a child, he gets, too. He gets along really well with my niece's guinea pig, like, loves her. <gasps> so. Okay, so then he'll do fine with the bunnies. Okay, yeah. well, you know what? And he loves other dogs, too. He thinks he's, like, as big as a German Shepherd, but, like, he automatically, whenever he encounters another human, he rolls over on his belly. He oh just wants belly rubs. <laughs> I love it. I'm obsessed with corgis. I think they're, they're the cutest. Don't let my dogs hear that because neither one is a corgi. But, okay, Mandy, you can go now. I just had to gush over the dog for a second. Priorities. Priorities. For you, it's dogs. For me, it's laughs. So do you have a favorite joke you're telling right now that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I'll I'll tell the one I wrote about my mom. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. Um, All right. So um, my mom – passed away a couple of months ago and you know I've wrestled with different emotions you know I wrestle with grief and sadness and anger mostly anger though um bitch had horrible timing like I needed her to wait until November I needed her to vote for Stacey Abrams (laughs) like I, I like I what am I supposed to do with this now I've got to commit voter fraud (laughs) i don't i don't look good in orange actually i do um but (laughs) that's that's where i'll stop because it gets horribly dirty after that so oh my god i love it that's a good intro oh i love it so is there somewhere we can see the full thing are you performing anytime soon yeah i'm so i'm really excited about a show that i am doing september 21st uh, it's at Guac's Emargs, um, Amsterdam Avenue locations are right by Piedmont Park. Um, and that's going to be at eight o'clock and, um, I'll be posting about it on social media. I am also, um, a featured comic at the Backhand Comedy Festival in Woodstock, um, in October. I think it's October 6th through 9th. So really excited about those. I love it. And if you can, send us some links for those, and we'll include I it know. in the show notes so that anyone who's listening that's in the Atlanta area or anywhere nearby, or you know what? If you want to fly in, great. Come on. Yeah. Let's go or see Gloria. if you know any place that wants to book me, I will travel. Okay. Yes. We're going to yes. put that out in the universe, right? Yes. We manifest that together. <laughs> Please. I need it. <laughs> oh, my God. Gloria, you are a delight. I have so enjoyed this conversation. You are just this you know, ball of laughter and like fun, but like so knowledgeable about what you do. And like, while you were talking, I had to stop myself because I had so many questions. Like DEI (laughs) is such a huge topic right now. I'm like, God, we need a secondary episode just about that because it's so (laughs) important. And I'm like, oh my God, we're coming up on time. So we're probably gonna have to reconnect. (laughs) Yes, I would love that because I have many questions. That is my jam. That is the hill that I will die on. I love it. And it's so important. And like your work is so important. And you're, you know, what you talked about tonight, like you, you get to give people the opportunity outside of just what you see on the black and white of a resume, but like who they are and what their true experience is. And like, it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad that you landed at a company that you're so happy at. So thank you for joining. And Mandy, anything else before we close out? Just to thank you. It's so good to reconnect and hear what your journeys looked like. And I know we've stayed, you know, connected on LinkedIn and, and social media, but it's fun to like actually share, share time together and chat. And um, yeah, I feel like we kind of like cut our teeth together and found our way in really different ways at the same time. So it's so fun to see where we've ended up and, I'm just grateful you took the time and and that you, you know, shared, shared bits of your journey. So thank you for being here. Thank you for making space for me to like be of service to you in a way when I'm not sure I was qualified to do any of that, but you were so like open and lovely. And, um, I hope there was some nugget of, (laughs) of, of help in there. Um, I know for sure one more shout out to Bonnie because I know she was really instrumental for both of us. Um, And yeah, it's just cool to cool to have you and come for full circle. And I, I can't wait to see more updates because I feel like the Netflix special is coming and yes. I'm going to get to be like, I know her. And maybe, maybe you can bring me with you and say, I have a producer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, wait, hang on. We're a package deal. I don't know what I'm going to come as, but I want to be there. You're coming. <laughs> My marketer. Thank yes. you. Yes. We will I'm represent you. We will help produce your special. We got it covered. We've been together from the start of these marketing, non-marketing careers, and we'll keep going. I can't wait for more updates. So I'm going to bring it home, unless you have anything else, Gloria. Do you have any more nuggets of wisdom? No, I just want to say thank you both so much for having me. And Mandy, thank you so much. I know, I feel like you're selling yourself short. You really poured into my life and my career journey, and it made a world of difference. So thank you. I'm going to (laughs) cry. I'm having feelings. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I I mean, I loved having that opportunity and getting to connect with you is one of my favorite pieces of that journey. So this has been amazing. I I feel like also this this outro is maybe selling us a little short now that I hear Gloria say that, but it's <laughs> funny and I like it. So I'm going to stick to it. So this is when I say, if you're still with us, thank you. We're sorry. And you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Oh, oh.